Hello, and welcome to Serene Reflections, a podcast of Dharma Talks from the Wallawa Buddhist Temple. I am Rev. Clarissa Beattie, a Zen monk and Buddhist priest from the mountains of Northeast Oregon, where we practice contemplative meditation, the Chan of Bodhidharma, the Zen of Dogen, the Serene Reflection Meditation of Rev. Master G.U. Kennett. You are invited to let yourself grow naturally still, to let go of the world for a while. Join us in listening in sound, in listening in stillness, turning within to listen from the heart that seeks the way. Here on the hills above the temple, the morning sets out unremarkably under a clouded ceiling, and all the trees and fields and roads and buildings are cast grayish. Then, halfway through to noon, though nothing else shifts, from somewhere east, light from the sun shines through a slight opening in the low sky, and all the world warms, illuminated thereby, even under the leaden clouds. Here, where the last shreds of snowbanks cling to the slopes. When the monks were in town this past week, we were delighted to run into two friends who listened to these recordings. After exchanging greetings, one of them asked a question that has come up as they listened together, and which has been the source of some curiosity between them. What is meant by this term, Buddha nature? What is Buddha nature? Her question dovetails with another question that's been coming up lately. The question, Who am I? Who am I when I'm on my very best behavior? What if I could be on my best behavior at all times? The best I can be, the kindest, most honest, most thoughtful, brave, and wise that I can be with everyone I meet, with everyone I work with, with every single being I live with. What if this were actually possible? I don't mean just being polite or always doing what's expected of me. I mean being true as I can be to what is good to do very deeply from the best of my understanding. 
What happens when I don't act from that place? What happens when I do try to act in accord with it? Without pressure, without blame, without measuring whether I succeed, just trying. The hilly fields around the temple are winter brown, newly revealed today by the melting snows. All across the skin of these hillsides, caressed by catlicks of sunlight, over the course of one short morning, countless shoots of bright green emerge, stirring to lace the mat of long-dead flattened blades in a crocheted coverlet of nascent spring. What is the self? Consider what I think of as me. This me is a product of my upbringing, education, experience, physical and mental conditioning, in addition to my unique disposition, the character I came in with and have formed. How is this composite self a product? How are my thoughts, attitudes, language originally from somewhere else and not from within me? What aspect of me is not a product? This kind of reflection is a way of letting go of the solidity of my sense of self, a way of recalling that the self is a mixture of component parts of ingredients in a recipe. It can be helpful in the context of practice to think of myself as a collection of elements rather than a solid set entity. What if I were to lose my sight, hearing, taste, smell? Lose my mobility, mind, my feelings, my home? If I lose any one of my senses or abilities, my identity or position, am I no longer myself? Of course not. But am I the same self I was or thought I was? No, I'm different now. But I'm still me. Now that I have to wear reading glasses doesn't mean my whole self has disintegrated yet. Though my reading glasses remind me that I'm not as immortal as I was in my twenties. Impermanence appears within my body and mind as well as all around me, as my body changes, as my way of thinking and seeing things evolves, as conditions around me shift, as I age and see my generation age, as I see newborns and young ones seeming ever younger, and those I used to think of as older look more and more like me. As history repeats itself, 
on the world stage and on the street where I live. Every repetition both unique unto its day and as old as time itself. It's one thing to think of self or letting go of self in the abstract. How do I actually experience the self as myself? When I get what I want, I'm happy, but it doesn't last, so I'm left dissatisfied. When I don't get what I want, I'm unhappy, but it doesn't last, so I'm relieved. Who is dissatisfied? Who is relieved? It's all very well to think of letting go of self until something comes along that really matters to this particular self, and then it's another story altogether. What if every aggregated me holds the potential to become Buddha? Just as self is not in the least abstract to the self, what if Buddha nature also is not theoretical? Glimpsing the Buddha nature that permeates all things, what becomes possible? This is the real meaning of selflessness, the natural movement to go beyond the confines of the self-centered viewpoint. Giving rein to my Buddha nature doesn't deny the self. Acting from my Buddha nature fulfills the Buddha potential of the self, or at the least turns the heart in that direction like a plant toward the sun. However many times I succumb again to those karmic tendencies I wish I didn't have, still there endures within me something which transcends my inherited and compounded karma, all the accumulation of my selfness. And even I am not separate from the transcendent. This transcendent is not other, not better, not above. Buddha nature is of and it's beyond simultaneously. It is my very own Buddha nature and it's not mine simultaneously. How must it feel to be the other person? To be the person on the receiving end of what I offer my upset, anxiety, and frustration, for example. Could I pause before indulging self? Could I pause and consider for a split second how my words might feel to the one receiving them? To the one who is the topic of my comments about them in their absence? There can seem to be 
a discrepancy between my ideal of how I ought to be in the world, in society, with those close to me, and how I actually am. And I measure the gap, and I keep a running record in my heart of how I fall short or measure up in my estimation. What if there is no gap? What if there is only what is for the moment? What if this gap is really only my sense of separation when I'm not true to my Buddha heart? What if, upon feeling separation, I were to look honestly at what I've thought or said or done, and instead of chagrin or despair, I were to simply say to myself, let me take care now, or let me take care next time. What if, instead of searching the horizon for someone to blame, I were to take responsibility for my own thoughts, words, actions, not for anyone else's, just for my own, just own up to what I can do something about, just that. Then, how might my experience of the world be different? When I'm not on my best behavior, I know it. I know in my bones what's not in harmony with my Buddha nature, because it leaves awake when I act from what self wants or doesn't want. What is Buddha nature? What do you long for? To what do you give expression when you create? What do you do with the teaching that sings to you? Are you putting into practice the teaching which glows, at which your heart leaps up? Where do you come from? Reverend Mado says, We never cease being what we come from, and even when we can't quite reach it, we can give it expression that non-individualized existence, that wonder. The more we act in accord with it, the more we see Buddha nature in everything. How you know what Buddha nature is, is by acting from it, which allows it to show itself. Buddha means a being who is wise, awake. Nature means originally, by birth. My Buddha nature is that to which I may give voice, to which I may give life and agency. There is that within me, which is greater than all my component parts assembled. 
that which asks what's good to do for all concerned, that which is generous, kind, steadfast, aware, and truly wise. Buddha also means that which is, the heart of being that connects all things to all other things, pure awareness that holds everything else. Sometimes Buddha nature is called Buddha mind, like a locus of consciousness or a sitting place, a temple space that is wider than the self alone where we all may meet. Let this wondering quicken. Go toward this place which is reached by realizing that Buddha nature is everywhere, not somewhere distinct from me and not confined to me or you or us. Nurture this child within the hara, this essence of Buddha within. Live from this ground of being. Give birth to this potential to illuminate all things. What is my true nature? Where and when is the temple of the heart to be found? The state of the world these days seems terrible. If we're saddened by the state of the world, then why continue to drench ourselves in the mind of the world hour after hour? It seems we're horrified and fascinated at the same time. We can't seem to let go of the very things we lament and it's clinging that brings things to such a state to begin with. The world mind is the result of the mind that grabs and gobbles, the mind that rampages and hits out, the mind in delirium over what it wants to believe or cannot accept. Another friend who reached the temple by phone this past week says he's pondering the question, what do we let go of? He says he keeps hearing let go and keeps wondering, of what? Dear friend, let go of the clinging. Never mind what the object is to which I happen at the moment to be grasping. All things change. Now I'm clinging to this, now to that. Release the grip on whatever it is. Let the object take care of itself. Relaxing my grip, I come out of my thrall with the world and come to my senses. Looking around on a day of sun and shadow in early spring, 
I hear the flying geese cry, winging north from afar. Looking within, I hear my heart beat and glimpse its deeper purpose like the echo of winging wild geese following their nature to the call of home. The ages come and go. The seven ages of my lifetime, the great ages across all history with all their ups and downs, and in the end, only the unchanging endures. Releasing my grip on the river of all that changes, how may I live in accord with what endures? Are you looking? Do you see the brightening luminescence, the field of bright green shoots springing up? Are you listening? Do you hear the wild winging geese cry circling in their passing flight? There is not only history and pain. Look up. Here, let go of where you cling. Have you locked yourself away? How can you unlock the gate with which you've shut yourself in? The gateless gate is not for letting ourselves in to somewhere we're being kept out of. It's to set ourselves free from where we're keeping ourselves in. The call of the geese persists, swelling, urgent, joyous, soaring cacophony. Join us, Join us. North, we all must go. Come along. Join us. Join us. Joy. As the eager creek rises up from its winter bed of rocks in a rushing melt from ravines above, tall pines reach up their boughs, free of winter's snow load, so suddenly long past. Bird song crescendos through the woods, and all at once daring red buds on serviceberry bushes become possible. The muddy roadway firms up around its potholes. Geese fly calling across the faces of mountains, across bright iron sky. How may I open and spring up to join them all? Buddha nature. What has been there since before I was born, and what will go on when I die? Who wants to know?
Thank you for joining us in listening to Serene Reflections from the Heart that Seeks the Way. To learn more about this practice, including more about how to meditate, you are invited to visit our website at walawabuddhisttemple.org. Here, in the Kanzayan Shrine of our Meditation Hall, we offer the merit of our practice of serene reflection meditation to all beings, including you, wherever you may be.